Good morning. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's day 396. We are in the life of David. David has been anointed as king. Saul has turned against David, although David was a faithful servant. And Saul has been uh, trying to kill David, and David has now gone on the run. And we'll pick up with this story in 1 Samuel 21. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help. Father, be our teacher today and write your word on our hearts as you alone can through your Holy Spirit. Make us more like Jesus for the time we spend with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Samuel 21. Then David came to Nob, to Ahimelech the priest. And Ahimelech came to David trembling and said to him, Why are you alone and no one with you? And David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has charged me with a matter and said to me, Let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. And the priest answered David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread if the young men have kept themselves from women. And David answered the priest, Truly women have been kept from us as always when I go on on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy, even when it is an ordinary journey. How much more today will their vessels, vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there was no bread there but the bread of the presence, which is removed from the Lord to be replaced by hot bread on the day it is taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. His name was Doeg the Edomite, the chief of Saul's herdsmen. Then David said to Ahimelech, Then have you not here a spear or a sword at hand? For I have brought neither sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take it, take that, for there is none but that here. And David said, There is none like that. Give it to me. And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? Do they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And David took their words, took these words to heart, and was much afraid before Achish the king of Gath. So he changed his behavior before them and and pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the door of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? Hmm. 
That's First Samuel 21. It's a short chapter, but there's two really important things happening here. First of all, David is on the run. He's, he had to sneak out of his house in the middle of the night. He is, he is running for his life. Um, he apparently has, I think, a small band of men with him, although Ahimelech says to him, why are you alone and no one with you? And he says, I've made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. It's unclear whether those young men then joined him later or if he really did continue on his own. Next chapter, we're going to see he, he ends up in the cave of Agilom. But at this point in time, he's basically on his own. He's fleeing and he has he has nowhere to go. Uh, he's, he's being hunted down by the king of Israel who has the army of Israel on his side and he's desperate. He comes to Ahimelech the priest and Ahimelech is really concerned to see David alone. Ahimelech would have seen David out on expeditions for King Saul, but of course he would have always had a detachment of men with him. David was one of Saul's generals, one of his commanders, so he would have always had a detachment of men. So this cover story that David gives, you know, it, it appears at least in part that what David is doing is, is relieving Ahimelech of any culpability before King Saul and having helped out someone who's trying to escape from the king. And so he, he tells him this story kind of as a way of letting Ahimelech be out of it, stay out of it. Right, So he's not so much trying to deceive Ahimelech for some sinister motive as he is trying to protect Ahimelech from getting involved. Now, of course, if you know the rest of the story, you know that's not going to work. Verse 7 is a, a dreadful bit of foreshadowing. There was a certain man of the servants of Saul there that day, detained before the Lord. His name was Doeg, the Edomite, the chief of Saul's herdsmen. This guy is going to cause serious, serious trouble. But Ahimelech is very helpful. Ahimelech gives him whatever he has. And in this case, there's just the bread of the presence, the holy bread. And he wants to make sure that he's not going too far here. He wants to make sure that if there's a group of young men with David, they've kept themselves from women. Sometimes groups of young men who go off to war are known to engage in less than honorable and holy activities uh, with women who follow after the camp. And so Ahimelech wants to make sure that, you know, things are on the up and up, that things are what they're supposed to be. But he also has compassion and he realizes if David's hungry, he needs to give him food. Jesus later is going to pick up on this uh, story here from 1 Samuel 21 when he's challenged by the Pharisees in his day, because on the Sabbath, he and his disciples were walking through grain fields, and his disciples were hungry, and so they plucked heads of grain, and they, you know, um, basically threshed, threshed them in, the, in their fingers to get the grain out, and they popped it into their mouth. They're eating. They're eating a, a, a traveling snack to give themselves energy as they're hungry on the way. And the Pharisees said, why are you doing what is not lawful? On the Sabbath, you're 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 reaping and harvesting and threshing, and that's all that's all agricultural labor. Like not really, but sort of. But Jesus answered and said to, to the to the Pharisees, "Do you not know what David did when he was fleeing, and how he came to Ahimelech, and how they ate the bread of the presence, he and the men who were with him?" So it's really the Jesus telling the story that. Um, 
makes me think that there actually were men with him. There's nothing in this chapter to necessarily indicate that himself. But of course, Jesus knows, right? He knows everything. So there were, he and the men with him, eight of it, and that that was okay. This is, Jesus was using that to establish the principle that it's okay to do works of necessity on the Lord's day. The men were hungry. It's okay for them to gather food and eat it, even if that involves work, because they're hungry and it's the Lord's day and it's okay for them to eat. Same thing here. This is a, a work of necessity as well as mercy. It's outside of, of the bounds of technically what the, the, the law would prescribe, but, but it is out of necessity and it is for mercy. And so it is okay. This is a biblical principle that keeps us from being really legalistic and pharisaical to know that God gives us his law and it is good and it is holy and we should follow his moral law, the Ten Commandments, including we should rest on the Lord's Day, Sunday, which is the Christian Sabbath. But we should never take any part of God's law and use it as an excuse to be cruel or harsh or overly scrupulous in a way that is that is oppressive or demeaning like like that's not that's not in keeping with the spirit of the law god is a god of love he loves us he calls us to love him and love others the law is a law of love it is a a guideline or an instruction how to love god with all of our heart mind soul and strength how to love our neighbors as ourselves and if we're not keeping the law as a law of love we're not keeping it in the spirit in which it's given so often people who focus a lot on the law and the law is holy and good and we should keep the 10 commandments but people who focus too much on the law do so as a way to puff themselves up with pride and self-righteousness and to prove that that they're really good they're the good people because they keep the law they are you know we can do this even in a civil context and say i am a law abiding citizen and not like those people when often those people are in you know extreme circumstances where it's very difficult for them you know they live in in a nightmarish situation that we couldn't even imagine and so we cannot use the law to be a means of self-righteousness or or means of being mean-spirited or stingy or unloving we always have to take it as god intended it according to that to that rule the rule of love so David picks up Goliath's sword. There is indeed none like it. And then he flees to Gath. And this actually becomes the occasion for one of my favorite psalms to be written, and that is Psalm 34. And so David comes to Gath, and he comes to Achish, the king of Gath. Not sure exactly what David was thinking when he went there. Like, why would he go there? What's his purpose in going there? We're not really told any of that, but we're told that he comes there and that the servants of Achish say, this is David, and, and basically David's the king. You see, this verse 11 here in 1 Samuel 21 actually helps us to understand why Saul was so concerned about the rising fame of David. Because here, the enemies of God's people, the Philistines, they're even considering David the king of the land because he is celebrated in song more highly than Saul. So you see, Saul's not entirely without human reason to be so concerned about David. But David realizes he's in a place where he's very much compromised. And, and, and so he, he, he feigns madness and, and, and he, he, he pretends to be just a madman until Achish just sends him away and he escapes. And what's interesting to me is that later he writes 
Psalm 34. Now the title of Psalm 34, Achish is called here Abimelech. Abimelech's probably the title of a king in this area, and Achish is probably his name. We say this, I say that because Abimelech was the name of the king when Abraham came through with Sarah and tried to pass her off as his sister, and then Isaac came through with Rebecca and tried to pass her off as his sister, and the the king was Abimelech then. It's probably Abimelech is is a name is a title. And that Achish was actually his name. So that's why the discrepancy between what's there in 1 Samuel 21 and what's here in Psalm 34. But he changed his behavior so that he drove him out and he went away. And what I love about this, this shows David this man after God's own heart. Look at this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Verse 6. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. David, we could say on a human level, well, he was kind of ingenious because he thought up this madman routine right there on the spot when he realizes he's in a bad situation. How clever of David. How cunning of David. What a genius move by David. But that's not how David thought of it. David thought of it clearly as the Lord delivered me from all my fears. The Lord saved me out of all my troubles. You see, all good things that come into our lives come from God's grace as a gift from him. And so we need to give him praise and credit for every good thing that come, comes into our life, even those things that we think we've worked hard for and that we think we've somehow earned for ourselves. We need to stop that way of thinking and realize we don't earn things for ourselves. So so how do we take 1 Samuel 21 into our hearts and lives in a Christ-centered way? Well, first of all, we know that Jesus used this chapter to teach us the right way to think about obedience and the right way to think about honoring God. And Jesus did that. Jesus fulfilled the law of righteousness for us. And in fulfilling the law of righteousness for us, he did so in a way that was amazing and abundant in love. Jesus was the man who loved better than anyone else. And so if we want to see Jesus and we want to follow Jesus, we need to follow in the footsteps of love. And then and then the second thing is we need to praise God for every good thing in our lives because it comes from him and it's by his grace and it's for his glory. So we should always be thanking God for everything good we get. Big or small, it's all from him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this chapter in First Samuel. Thank you for David's life, for what we can learn from him. We pray that you would continue to teach us and grow us as we seek to follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for 1 Samuel 21. Tomorrow, we'll be on to chapter 22. Hope you can join me then. As always, of course, I hope you have a blessed day in the Lord.